0: Hello and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv. And we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. All right, I want to welcome you to New Hope Church and, and all of our camps is welcome. Uh, had somebody ask me on social media uh, just yesterday what level of Jumanji we're on now. Done. Doesn't it feel like it? I mean, it has been a very cold, very difficult week for a lot of people. Just so you know, just, I don't know, I just feel like I need to keep you in the know here, but all of our campuses, uh, all four in the Houston area lost power and all had pipes freeze up, all had uh, busted pipes at all of our campuses. And so... Our team has really been working overtime, literally overtime, to get all the campuses ready to go for today. Uh, There's still some issues at campuses, but they've done bypasses. And uh, even at our Webster campus right now, there's a shutoff valve that's in front of the church on a building like this. You know, it goes out of the ground like this. It was spraying water about 12 feet in the air. And and so, uh, what's the answer? What's the answer? Duct tape. Duct tape. So, duct tape, that thing. And... uh, and i just said just fix it just do something to get us by because we're having church so if you don't mind give it up for the team that's been working overtime to get us in church today now contrary and i know we got people joining us from online from all over and 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 a lot of people up north think that we're wimps because we can't take the cold weather but it's not true is it it's not true because i grew up in indiana and we had very cold temperatures, but the heat was on, okay? So there's a difference. There's a difference between being in cold weather and not having heat and being in cold weather and having heat. So uh, just keep it to yourself, people up north online right now, keep it to yourself. The the issue in our area was compounded by the fact that we did not have power, and so for a lot of people it was a very very difficult week. and And I want the campus pastors at all of our campuses just to watch. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and even in the prayer time, guys, watch because I'm going to ask you a question. But uh, my first question, by show of hands, how many of you lost power? How many of you lost power? Wow. How many of you uh, had pipes bust in your home? Okay, okay, about maybe a quarter of that amount that lost power. Um, So here's the deal. I was praying on the way to church today. Lord, you know, what are we supposed to do? Because supplies are in short supply, okay? The the equipment needed to fix people's homes, I hate to tell you that, but they're in short supply. There's only enough plumbers to go around. One one of the ladies that came in to to the building uh, here just a few minutes ago had a had a mask that said plumber's wife. And I was like, do you sure you want to wear that in the church today? Because <laughs> she said they have received over 900 calls, over 900 calls. So if, if you, you know, and, and I know insurance covers a lot of this. If you have a mortgage, you automatically have insurance. That's the way it goes. And so uh, it's, it, for us, it's not like a necessarily like a Harvey situation where 80% of the people who were flooded didn't have flood insurance because they didn't need it. And, it was up to them to make up the difference, and our church stepped in and spent over a million dollars helping folks. I don't know that we're there, but I do, I I want us, I want our church family to be able to help. Would you agree with that? So, um, and I don't want to cast the net too large because we can't help everybody on the planet, but I do want to start with the church family. So if you're in a bad way, like you don't know how you're going to make it, and I don't know whether it's a deductible issue or maybe it's a lack of insurance issue or something. Um, uh, ask for prayer today and tell us what's going on. And I'm not saying we're going to make all of your problems go away, but maybe we can help, okay? And even as I say that, I'm saying to everybody else who maybe lost your power, but you didn't have catastrophic damage at your home, Um Help us, you know, go to the website and give to disaster relief. And my hope is that more people will do that than need help, you with me? So let's all be the hands and feet of Christ as we move forward and help for for, for the moment, those in our church family, and then outside of that, if God calls us to that as well. But I wanna pray for you, okay? I wanna pray for everybody, because it's been a tough week, it's been a tough week. I know we've been praying all morning this morning, but hey, we're in church, let's pray again. So if you don't mind, bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, it's been difficult. Very difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people are struggling, Lord. And I just pray for our beautiful church family, God, that if there are, if there are folks with us right now or who are joining us online that are uh, on the verge of maybe kind of giving up, they just... You know, the pandemic is one hit, losing, if they had a business, losing their business or whatever, another blow, and then here comes this and damage in the house, and it just, Lord, just feels like we've been taking a lot of hits. But uh, I pray that today you give them the strength of endurance that comes through their faith. I pray that you give it to them today, God. And I pray that they will endure, because we must endure, because we got no other choice, first of all, Lord. But this is what you've called us to. You've called us to have holy grit in our lives and big faith that no matter what we walk into, that you're going you're gonna to help us to walk through it. You're going to be with us. And so, Lord, do what only you can do. I pray that you help our church family uh, to be discerning and to know what it is exactly that we should do. And uh, in the meantime, Lord, continue to watch over us. Thank you for getting us to the other side of this, Lord. Better days ahead. That's what we're praying, Lord, and I pray all this in Your Son's name. And all the people said, "Okay." So uh, give, and also I'll remind you at the end, uh, and the campus pastors will remind you to to text the word "prayer" to six four two one two three. We'll put that up on the screen at the end, and and then we can figure out who is really really hurting. All right, and uh, and and we want to help. I had. It does feel like we've taken a lot of hits. Thank you, Oscar, by the way. It does feel like we've taken a lot of hits. I had a friend from out of state, a pastor, text me, and his text literally said, what's your deal? <laughs> like, I caused this all, you know? And <clears throat> he said, you know, when I responded to him, what are you talking about? He said, you guys just keep getting hit. And it does feel that way, doesn't it? But uh, uh, reminder, God is still good. God is still good, and we're getting stronger. And... Uh, Lord, use, use that strength. In, in fact, I'm glad you're in church today. I'm glad you're in church today. Thank, thankful for the team that enabled us to gather today. Thankful for the Lord for inviting us to his house. And I'm praying that in his house today, you will gather some endurance, some strength that you need, that your faith will be built in such a way that you can continue on. Because I said in the prayer, we got to continue on, right? There's no other choice. So let's get strong in the Lord. Okay, last week we began this series, Finding hope in the last words of Jesus, these are, uh, this is a reference to the last seven statements that Jesus spoke while he was on the cross, or the seven statements that Jesus spoke while he was on the cross, and this series takes us right up to Easter when we celebrate his resurrection, but before we get there, we're not going to talk about the resurrection as much, we're going to talk about, we're going to focus on the cross and the, and the price that he paid there and the words that he spoke while hanging on the cross, and it is pretty significant, it's pretty remarkable that as Jesus was literally dying, he was carefully choosing his words, showing us who he is and showing us his heart. And today we're gonna to be in Luke chapter 23 again for most of this sermon today. Uh, but first what I wanna do is I wanna remind you of the first statement of Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. And we're gonna do a short review every single Every single week as we go through this series, because what I'm hoping is that these seven statements get rooted in your heart. Because I know this, if, if the words of Jesus get rooted in your heart, then he's going to help your faith to grow. And I want you to grow and be stronger. Okay, so Luke chapter 23, this is a review from last week. Uh, First statement of Jesus from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Would you please, and all of our campuses, read this out loud with me, please. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Okay, so he's put on the cross. Very first thing, comes out of his mouth, is a prayer for sinners. Now what we're going to do is we're going to continue in this same text in Luke chapter 23, which is actually a good lead-in for where we're going to end up today. Um, so uh, start here. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And, and there are people watching. Remember, he's hanging on the cross. People are watching. People are listening. This is the response from the people who were there. At the end of verse 34. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So he's been stripped and uh, nailed to the cross. And they are now gambling, throwing like dice um, uh, for his clothing. Verse 35. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and and mocked him. So as we learned last week, the very first thing on the cross, first words of Jesus, prayer for sinners, prayer for the people that put him there, prayer for sinners, I believe, in general, because all sinners with their sin put him there it's the reason that he went to the cross in the first place. And it's amazing to me how powerful this, this moment is when he's literally dying. He's bleeding out on the cross. And his first thought is not for himself. It's for the salvation of sinners. Sinners like me. And sinners like, you, you want to get in on this? Okay, like you and, and, and all of us, right? So... Um, Something we read in the text last week as well was that he was crucified between two criminals, two criminals. That's why there's three crosses in uh, the depiction of, uh, of Calvary and this particular day. So we got three crosses uh, on either side of Jesus. And with that thought in mind of those other two crosses, I want to flow into our text for this week and the second statement of Jesus from the cross. So we'll get to that second statement in just a moment. But verse 36, the soldiers uh, also came up and mocked him. Now we go to verse 38. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews in a mocking way. It said this. This is the king of the Jews. And I want you to re- remember the concept of a king here, okay, because we're going to come back to this a few times today. Verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked the other criminal. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are, already under, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done what? Nothing wrong. wrong. So, by the way, in other passages of Scripture and in other translations, these guys are called robbers or thieves. Uh, In my study... I saw somebody claiming that this was all fictional. This was all fictional, the exchange and all that's happening there, and who these guys were, because, they said, Rome did not execute low-level criminals like thieves or robbers. Well, let me just answer that real quick. The fact that Jesus was crucified kind of blows, blows the theory that you have to be guilty of anything to, to be crucified, because he had done nothing, he had done nothing wrong. And not only that. One of the criminals said, we are here justly. By his own admission, he says, we are getting what our crimes deserve. This is just payment. So here they are, perhaps somewhat awkwardly, either side of Jesus, having a conversation with each other, uh, with Jesus in the middle, disagreeing with each other. It's kind of a little bit of a disagreement on the cross here. And the one who said that Jesus has done nothing wrong, stop mocking him, don't you fear God? He says this, next verse. But then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your what? Kingdom. Kingdom. Okay, so here's the concept of a king once again. So now we come to the second of the seven statements that Jesus spoke from the cross. The, the first statement, uh, The first. St- this is a review. A quiz pop quiz. The first statement was okay, I don't know if Jesus mumbled, but um, I feel like a lot of you got that right, okay? But let's say it out loud together Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And then, and then now comes the second statement of Jesus. Remember, the The criminal had just said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's admitted that he's deserving of what's happening to him at that moment. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Verse 43, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that right there. Thank you for your prayer for sinners, and thank you for this right here. And teach us, Lord, from your word today. I want to show you a couple things from the text today, and these are uh, lessons from a criminal's conversion. And the first thing that I want to share with you is it's never too late. It's never too late until it is. Until it is. Just being honest, I'm preaching today, all right? So two criminals, both suffering unspeakable pain, and in their pain... They both made a choice, and actually, it's the same choice that you and I have. Uh, When we're in pain, we can rail against God, and we can say, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? If you're so powerful like people say you are, and if you're so loving like you claim in your word, then why am I in this painful situation? We can do that, or we can acknowledge that we're sinners, that we don't deserve anything good in our lives, and we can ask ask God to remember us and to to help us in our time of need. And that's kind of what we see in this situation with these two guys on the cross. Both criminals are in pain, but they have very opposite reactions. Verse 39 again. One of the criminals who hung there... uh, hurled insults at him. Are you the Messiah? Save yourselves and save us. So if you were with us last week, then, then uh, and you, don't ha- you didn't have to be here last week to know this, but this is a mocking request. He's mocking Jesus, okay? But if you were here last week, then you'll know this mocking request is actually impossible. It's impossible because Jesus can't save himself And everyone else and I say that because as we discussed last week if he left the cross then the price for our sins would not have been paid and so if he gets off the cross he can save himself but he can't save everyone else because the penalty for our sin still remains now oddly other than being crucified which is not good but this guy who's hanging beside Jesus other than the fact that he's now being crucified he's actually sort of won the spiritual lottery and I say that because he is hanging within conversation distance. He's hanging next to the one who can save him, who can forgive him, who can get him into heaven. But he's not repentant. He's not respectful. Instead, he's hurling insults at Jesus. So immediately, if you're like looking at these two guys, you know there's a bad one and there's a good one and we know the bad one already. We know, we, we know the guy that's out of line. But let me show you something very, very interesting. Uh, Matthew also writes about the crucifixion. And in his account, he says something that is a little bit startling. But I'm going I'm to show you how it fits in, okay? It starts about the same spot where we started in Luke, where Jesus is on the cross and the people are now mocking him. They said, this is Matthew. See, we just went from, we just went from Luke to Matthew, okay? Uh, He saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. Now listen to this. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So according to Matthew, the criminals who were on either side of Jesus also heaped insults on Jesus. Both of them, until you get to Luke chapter 23, verse 40, where one of them says, stop, stop, just stop. Don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? This man is innocent. He's done nothing wrong. Stop insulting him. We've, we deserve this for what we've done. And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. So suddenly, there's a change of heart. So what's, what, what happened? What happened? What gave him this change of heart? Well, the only thing that has happened that we know from Scripture between the time where he's heaping insults on Jesus to the time where he's confessing his guilt and his sin and asking Jesus to save him and remember him in his kingdom, the only thing that happened in between is this Jesus prayed this prayer Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are, they don't know what they're doing. That's it. I told you last week, this is a powerful prayer. Would you agree it's a powerful prayer? And maybe it was this powerful prayer because these guys can hear each other on the cross. Maybe it was this powerful prayer that changed this guy's heart about Jesus. No doubt he's heard of Jesus. Everybody in that part of the world had heard of Jesus. Maybe he's even heard Jesus teach or or saw him heal somebody. But he starts off this day hurling insults at Jesus, but then, boom, all of a sudden he confesses his sins. He asks Jesus to remember him, and then he gets to hear the words of Jesus that he will be saved. And it is a wonderful lesson an example of salvation when someone is at death's door. But I got to tell you something else today because I've tried to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It's not the only lesson. The other criminal gave us a lesson as well because one guy got saved. The other guy, we can only speculate, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he didn't make the trip. And the difference, the difference that I can see immediately when I look at this text is this right here. The guy who got saved didn't play the victim. And here's what I mean by this he owned his actions. He even said to the other criminal, We deserve this. this is, we, we are receiving justice. That's what he said. We are getting what our deeds deserve. We're receiving justice. But people are different nowadays. Can I speak some raw truth today? Can you handle it? Nowadays, everybody's a victim. Nobody wants to own their own actions person breaks into somebody else's house the homeowner shoots him they sue the homeowner for shooting them i'm like what you were breaking into somebody's house yeah but they shot me (laughs) duh duh just duh okay or somebody is lazy at work and doesn't get the promotion and says that they're a victim everybody has an excuse for everything and no one is responsible for their own actions instead they blame everybody else for their lot in life That's the world we live in right now. Let me give you a couple of things about the victim mentality that hurts people in life in general, but will hurt us spiritually. And that's why I want to talk about it right now. First of all, a person with a victim mentality just gets stuck. They get stuck in life in self-pity. And once they get stuck in this uh, this cycle of self-pity nothing ever changes life will not get any better as long as they have this victim mentality why because since they believe that everything that happens to them is somebody else's fault and somebody else's responsibility it means that what they've done is they've given away their own personal responsibility to everybody else and i know enough about life to know this you're in trouble if you're depending on other people to do for you what god wanted you to do for yourself you can sue other people, you can demand that other people fix your life, you can blame other people for your lot in life, or you can get up and with God's help, get it done, right? But, <laughs> but nothing will change until you realize that God has called every single one of us to personal responsibility. And I'm saying that's because this is biblical. It's even what happened on the cross You got a guy who's saying, I did it. I messed up. I deserve to be here. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Okay? Something else about those stuck with a victim mentality is they set themselves up for failure. If you don't take responsibility for your own actions then you're setting yourself up for long-term failure, that's because you can't get up if you're constantly blaming other people for keeping you down. And spiritually, this is so important. It's so important. No, we don't save ourselves, but we keep ourselves from the forgiveness of God if we blame everybody else for our sins, if we don't take personal responsibility for our actions, if we don't admit that we've sinned and we need to be saved we got to own that fact that we have made mistakes, that we need the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can give. And here, once again, you have one criminal who took responsibility and one who did not. One who made it to paradise. The other, we don't think that he did. One found hope. He found hope in the last words of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that. And one did not. And it's a reminder today, and I'm just going to say it out loud because I I feel like I'm supposed to preach today. It's never too late until it is. And right now you have time. You have time to take personal responsibility and get your life right with God. So do it while you have the time. Secondly, he recognized Jesus as king. He recognized Jesus as king. So you think about the crowd mock Jesus, uh, Pilate mock Jesus, the religious leaders mock Jesus, everybody else is mocking Jesus. And uh, and 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 I think about it today, I think the word that, that we use now is canceled. They they were trying to cancel Jesus. Okay. Let's cancel Jesus. We don't want his influence, we don't want his followers making it So let's cancel Jesus, another term that is is, is out there now. And you may have seen this one on the news or something is gaslighting, gaslighting. That's where you try to make, that's where the vocal people in the world try to make others think that they're going crazy for believing or following someone. Okay. So you got Jesus, they're trying to cancel Jesus. They're trying to gaslight his, uh, his followers, but it didn't work. (laughs) <laughs> and it didn 't work with this guy. you think about this: he believed that Jesus was a king and therefore had a kingdom. In fact, he said in verse forty two uh, "Remember me when you come into your what kingdom, kingdom. so kingdom means he 's a king. He even told Pilate, he said, "By kingdom is not of this world and it 's a pretty powerful moment because because you're, you're there on the cross next to Jesus and everyone's yelling curses at him and people are mocking him. He's been executed just like you. It would be pretty easy to not believe that he is a, he's a king, but this guy believed. Now you think about it, a king has authority, a king has power, but here's a king hanging on a cross. And, and just so you know, this, this king angle had been the angle that the soldiers had used to mock Jesus as they prepared him for execution. Back to Matthew chapter 27 again. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. So he's got a lot of soldiers around him. They stripped him down and put a scarlet robe on him, which would make him look more like a king, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, uh, as a scepter, is what they're doing. So he's got the robe, the, the kingly robe on, the, the scepter, the crown. And then they knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. Not a pretty picture. Verse 31. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. So they put his clothes back on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. And now here he is hanging on the cross. He's got the mocking sign above him, King of the Jews. He's got a crown of thorns that has now been mashed down into his skin on his head. The whole government... The, the religious leaders, everyone is mocking him as a king. They're like, he's, he's fake, he's not really a king, but we're gonna mock him because, you know, some people think he is. And the criminal, while all this is taking place, has this Holy Spirit of God moment where he says, I believe he is the king. I believe he is the king. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but uh, for those of you who have been in our church for a long time, you've probably caught on or heard me talk about it. But at all of our campuses, especially if this is your first time, at all of our campuses, uh, for, for Houston area campuses, we have on the front door, it's usually the front door of each campus, we have a crown of thorns. Okay? It looks a lot like this. A little different at each campus. I think Alvin has a uh, cedar, cedar right there, which is awesome. And... <clears throat> Webster's may not be this big, and Friendswood's is even bigger than this, but um, they're kind of artsy, so maybe you've walked in and you didn't even realize that that's what it was supposed to be. But the the crown of thorns over the doorway is supposed to be, and and I'm going to help you with this to remember this, it's a reminder of a couple of different things. One is this. We get to be in God's family. So we pass under it when we come into church. We get to be in God's family only, only, only because of the suffering of Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for us on the cross of Calvary. Only by his shed blood do we get to be a part of God's family. And secondly, I hope it reminds you of this, that we as a church family are under the crown, meaning this church family is under the authority of Jesus Christ. He is the head of this church, not me, not anyone's opinion. This church belongs to Jesus. He's our king, as it should be, right? So, and and I say this, and this is hopefully obvious to you. The reason that he's in that position is because he is the king, and only the king that we have can redeem. Only the king that we have can save, which is why this criminal reached out to Jesus, and in doing so, He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom because he saw Jesus as a king. Listen, we don't get salvation simply by admitting that we've been bad. We get salvation by admitting that we've been bad and he is good and he is righteous and he's the perfect sacrifice and he's the perfect savior and he's king of kings and Lord of lords. We don't get salvation by admitting that we can't. We Get salvation by admitting that he can, and he's the one who can offer forgiveness. And and then once we do that, once we admit that and acknowledge who he is and invite him into our lives, then suddenly and awesomely, he freely gives us forgiveness. In fact, he gives it to everyone who asks for it. Even the worst sinner in church today can be saved. Through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen if you believe that. And I will say this today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. In fact, the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts because today is the day of salvation. Why is today the day of salvation? Because you can still hear his voice. Which means it's not too late. If you're hearing this today, and you are right now, you're hearing it, right? It's not too late just like the thieves on the cross, it's not too late until it is. And so we need to do what we need to do to get right with God, to accept him before that moment passes. And when we do, and if you already have, then it could be true that someday Jesus could whisper to us on our deathbed, today, you will be with me in paradise. That's a good promise, isn't it? We're gonna be there someday through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? So as stated earlier, um, here's the here's the the, the prayer number. Uh just text that word prayer to 642-123 if you're uh thinking about making the decision for christ today we want to know that we want to hear from you we want to help you so there are people waiting for you right now um also i would say if you need prayer for anything text us if you are like struggling in a big way today please text us let us pray for you today and partner with you let's bow Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace, for your forgiveness. I thank you for, for Jesus. And I thank you that even on the cross, he was doing what he came to do, speaking words of life, of hope. And God, I pray that if there's someone outside of the, outside of your family today, Lord, that they would make that decision and place their faith in Jesus. So that they could be part of the family. Lord, I'm praying for those right now who have had a difficult, difficult week, God. I pray that this week's better. I pray that they get to see some hope this week, Lord. And uh, help us as a church family to be sensitive to the needs around us, even our neighbors, our friends, people on our block, maybe people in our life groups, Lord. Help us to. Be like Jesus to them and check on them this week and then meet a need if we can, Lord. Um, and uh, at all of our campuses, um, if, if you are struggling big time today, <clears throat> I didn't ask you this earlier, but if you are struggling big time today, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to just say a final sentence prayer for you. So if you would. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand if you're like on the edge today, struggling. Anybody? Okay, a couple. Very good. Awesome. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. Heavenly Father, you saw those hands all across this room. I pray, God, that this week, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, I'm begging in Jesus' name that you would give them what they need, even if that's just hope for the weeks to come. And bless them, Lord, and help them to endure and to have holy grid, to have the strength and the wisdom, whatever they need, Lord, for the days ahead. And I pray that our church family could surround them and enfold them with love. And I pray this in your son's name. And all the people said, God bless guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.